Hello, crime lovers, and welcome to Crime on Tap. I'm Megan, joined by my co-host, Sean. And welcome to our true crime podcast. Join us weekly as we drink our favorite cocktails and discuss gruesome murders, kidnappings, conspiracies, and more. Share the podcast with your friends, family, and heck, your grandma. Leave a review and make sure to follow us on all social media platforms at Crime on Tap Pod. Tune in for free on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcasts. Whether you're driving to work or doing laundry, Crime on Tap will be sure to fulfill your true crime fix each week. And now, buckle up for this week's episode. Listen and enjoy. We are live again with Crime on Tap! (laughs) Oh, man, you came in hard you are excited i'm trying to figure out something new because we always start with the same shit every week Alrighty, well thank you so much guys for joining us for another episode of crime on tap this week we are bringing you another snapped episode um we are doing episode three of season 21 so if you guys like our snap series we're coming at you with another one this week they're nice formulaic great episodes whenever we're like oh what are we gonna do we're always like snaps but she's <laughs> she's all faithful yeah and both of us are on like a little bit going through some things this week i'm currently moving to boston uh tomorrow so the apartment right now is just a total train wreck and megan had a death in the family this week um, so both of us are just trying to take it a little bit easy this week and snapped is always there for us with an easy episode. <laughs> yes, but they also keep us entertained too. And we hope they keep you guys entertained as well. Mm-hmm. Cause it's really the only time we ever talk about women killers. That's why we love them so much. And it always seems like the women killers always have the same motive. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that later, but it always seems like yeah. it's always the same motive for them. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll just say, um, what is that that old good Charlotte song? <laughs> Date me. Um, girls don't like boys. Girls like cars and money. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, Money's very true. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll leave you guys with that. <laughs> um, so Megan, seeing how it is 8.30 in the morning, uh, I can only assume that you're drinking coffee? <laughs> yes. However, because... Ooh. I am drinking coffee because I have to babysit my little brother who's turning four in October. Mm-hmm. So half brother for anyone who's very curious about how a 25 year old has a three year old brother. half brother, <laughs> And, um, and then at work we're having a self care day. So I have a busy day. So I have coffee, no alcohol, but it is blueberry <laughs> cobbler. Oh, is it green mountain so, coffee? Of course. Hey, did you hear, I'm sure this is local news for New Englanders, that, is it the coffee company, or whoever makes the gruelers? Oh my god, coffee cup? The coffee cup, with With a K. Yep. (laughs) They have gone out of business, and I'm like, who's going to protect the gruelers? (laughs) And apparently it was, like, really random, it was just so abrupt, they made, like, no announcement, and just a bunch of, over hundreds of people are out of jobs, and... It's really sad because I just I feel like I remember 
still i mean still but like mm-hmm. cookouts as a kid you know we always had those coffee cup hot dog rolls and yes all of that stuff the donuts so, i remember those those gruelers so vividly we are morning coffee cup this morning <laughs> we are shout out to you coffee cup but i'm also drinking coffee today Guys, one of these weeks, we're going to give you a little late night cocktail moment. But for the time being, we just got to be drinking our coffee to get these episodes pushed out to you. (laughs) And also, once we are both fully vaccinated, we'll be getting together. Megan's going to come down to my to my city view deck drink some wine and record some op- episodes we are very excited mm-hmm. for that as well that journey that we haven't seen each other in a long time so yes oh my god it's been so long like we started all this virtually that's been great a crazy journey since that one phone call i gave you on december 23rd or was something <laughs> i remember i was at my mom's decorating um cookies with my niece and nephew <laughs> and i said are you busy i have a crazy idea <laughs> <laughs> we so should start a it. podcast and here we are we're still doing it mm-hmm. proud of yeah. us <laughs> four months later so awesome well megan if you have nothing left to say let's get right into the episode we open up the episode with a picture of sandra siegel is her maiden name that we get um she's a single mother when she met mike barajas <laughs> i think that's good right. effort <laughs> And she had two daughters under the age of six from a previous marriage, and they were married for 30 years before their marriage ended in tragedy. And, you know, the typical snapped, they they give that little cliffhanger, and then we get beginning of the story. So we get, yes. like, the 911 call and all of that, and then, as snapped does, they roll back into explanation. On February 13th, 2013, the day before Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Or the Hallmark holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Colorado Springs, Colorado. At 7 p.m. that night, there's a 911 call from the suburbs of the city area. The caller was Dawn Richburg, who is Sandra's 33-year-old daughter that still lives at home. No shame. (laughs) Um, A little shade. (laughs) A little shade, but Dawn specifically has some issues. She's addicted to drugs, has been for since high school, you know, in and out of bad relationships. And she just happened to land at home a few months prior to this to try to clean herself up. Yeah. So she's the one that makes the call. She said there was a burglary possibly in progress, (laughs) that the door was wide open, the front area, front room was all fucked up. There's shit everywhere. And got to the point where she had called the cops and the cops said, wait outside in case there's someone there. So they haven't, Dawn is waiting outside because the cops told her to get out of the house in case burglars or burglar was still there. So they arrive, they go into the house, um, they find spray painting graffiti everywhere. They're thinking maybe there was some gang activity going on. Um, It looked like gang tags and stuff. And there had been a lot of break-ins in the area recently, so mm-hmm. it wasn't a stretch to think, oh, this was a gang looking for stuff to steal. So then the officers go into the bedroom, and they see a boot and a pant leg sticking <laughs> out of the covers that were thrown off the bed. Hmm. And it was could my- be under there? I know. <laughs> Someone's playing hide-and-seek. <laughs> And it was Mike, and he was long dead. And yeah. they called it right there, like it had been a while. Mm-hmm. And so 
they come out, they tell Dawn, and they call Sandra. And so Sandra was actually at the hospital with the youngest daughter. So she had two daughters. We don't get the youngest daughter's name. I'm assuming she did not give permission for her information to be in SNAP. So we don't get her name. And she plays a big role in this. She does. She's there for some of it, but we don't hear anything about her getting in trouble or anything. Mm -hmm. And so Sandra comes and they're like, we found Mike dead and she's freaking out. She's crying. She's like, I got to see him. We just had our anniversary. This is what happened. Oh my God. (laughs) And she's playing the role of the widow very well. Yes, if she she's does a playing a role, and there's neighbors and everyone gathering around because this was a very small area, a little suburb. One of the neighbors said it was a lot of retirees, so there's a bunch of old people now scared shitless of a gang <laughs> running around. Yeah, um, so there's quite a spectacle outside. Sandra's looking for that Oscar. <laughs> Next, we get like into the beginning of like the background. So we get, we start seeing the background of Sandra, the wife in this um, episode. Uh, she was born in 1960. Uh, family and friends considered her a very brash and outspoken woman with a bitter tongue. I feel like I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> You're a brash, outspoken woman with a bitter tongue. <laughs> yes. She was just a blue-collar worker. She worked at a convenience store. She had her first husband where she had her first two kids. Um, where that marriage had ended and then Sandra up and moved to El Paso, Texas with both of her kids where she was a single mother working at a convenience store, um, just living like a simple, simple life. Um, and at that convenience store is where she met her second husband, Mike Barajas. And they just, again, lived a simple life. Sandra just continued working at convenience stores, nothing too crazy, while Mike was living on post. Was he working in the army or something? One of those, I don't even know what the fuck he was doing. One of those (laughs) military operations. (laughs) Yes, he was in the army, and he was stationed at El Paso and was living at Fort Bliss. Okay. And he came from a military family. He was the oldest of four boys, Mm -hmm. and he was, like, kind of they were all really close and he was kind of like the de facto father of them. He took care of them, disciplined them, was, you know, a huge parental figure, even though he was their brother, parental figure in their lives. So he was very close with his family. Mm -hmm. So Mike and Sandra eventually got married. They got married pretty quickly after like a year of being together and um, new opportunities arose for Mike because one, he was sad that all of his family was already moving and living in Colorado, so he didn't get to see them as much. He really wanted to live closer to them, be with his family, um, so he got an opportunity to work at his brother's car garage. So he basically was like, yo, fam, we're moving to Colorado, which it from the documentary or from the episode, it didn't seem like uh the two daughters his stepdaughters and sandra were too excited to move because their roots were in el paso their family was in el paso um so it just kind of seemed like an abrupt move and mike was like okay we're moving to colorado that's it see you guys there right and the girls are teenagers so they're leaving behind all their friends and their boyfriends i mean that's a really big thing to teenagers and sandra's family was there 
but Mike was just like, he had been working for, he had been working as a security guard after his like contract was up, I guess. After he was done shooting, shooting bad guys. (laughs) Yeah. And oh my God, his outfit. (laughs) Moving on. Um, So in 1996, this is when his brother was like, hey, if you want to come down, then start Monday. So he like went right there. Like he was like, I'll give, I'll give you gals time to pack up and meet me there. (laughs) And they're like, "Um, okay. And they don't really have a choice because Sandy or sometimes they call her Sandy. Sometimes they call her Sandra. Wasn't much of a worker. And so it wasn't like she had a choice to be like, I don't want to move. We're getting divorced. She was like, all right, girls, pack it up. Yeah. Mike was obviously the breadwinner and Sandra couldn't afford to live on her own without Mike's financial help. So she she was in a little sticky situation. And um, once they moved to Colorado, Mike was very active in the church. He was very devout. He was an usher. You know, they had Sunday, they had coffee hour and he, that was his social hour. (laughs) And I love the cut that snap does. They go, Sandra, um went with him but she liked more secular socializing and then it cuts to a casino and people are smoking and drinking (laughs) and so that was what sandra liked to do with her time she liked to go to the casino nearby called cripple creek (laughs) which just just seems rude and it was like a little mini las vegas and that was like that was her social hour. She didn't go yep. to coffee hour at church. She went to the casino. <laughs> <laughs> and she spent all of Mike's money. <laughs> yes. So they move over to Colorado and we get the good setup that it was just, everything was perfect. Everything seemed so great in the relationship and nothing was wrong. Everything was just going perfectly splendid until we get to 2013. <laughs> When shit goes downhill. Mm-hmm. Did you have anything before 2013? They were never really empty nesters, even though the children were grown. They pretty much, one of either Dawn, when she wasn't off with some random drug addicted dude, <laughs> the younger daughter was living there. So, like, they never, mm-hmm. they were never like a couple that lived alone. They always had the kids there. Yeah. That was the only other note I had before getting back to the night of february 13th 2013 so next we see in uh uh, the main the main climax of the episode in february 13th of 2013 um is when everything goes down like megan mentioned in the intro reported break-in mike was seen laying in the bed uh he was shot multiple times the window to the basement was broken in. There was graffiti all over the walls with gang signs on them, which they say referenced a Hispanic gang. Um, and also, like Megan mentioned, there was reported to be a lot of break-ins in the Colorado Springs area at that time. So at first glance, it just seemed like a burglary and Mike was just caught in the crosshairs of the burglars. Right. And the some of the graffiti that had WS13, which apparently was like the gang. Mm-hmm. And what was the what was the <laughs> We're other like quote? Gang, it was gang. like <laughs> Gucci gang, Gucci gang. <laughs> <laughs> and what was the it was like you got popped fool or something like that. So yeah. So it was it seemed like it was it, the evidence was very clear that it was a, a burglary gone wrong. Um, and we and- get the claim that uh, Don was dropped off at the house um, after returning from the hospital 
with her other sister and Sandra. And that's when she walks into the house and she sees the house a mess. She sees Mike's body rolled up on the fucking cat on the fucking mattress. And then that's when she calls police. Um, we get the alibi that nobody was home at the time that Mike was killed. When the officers were interviewing Don before Sandra got there, the officer said she was acting very flat and weird and unfazed, like just relaying the information, not distraught that, you know, the man who practically raised her since the age of six was just brutally murdered. Yep. So they found that odd. And then, but then when Sandra comes back, she was at the hospital with the younger daughter. She had just dropped Don off and then gone back. She was crying uncontrollably, but she didn't really have anything to offer. She was like, he didn't have any enemies. Mm-hmm. Who could have done this? Wow. Yep. So next we also see a little bit from one of Mike's brothers. His name was Chris. And Chris claims that he called an hour before the 911 call. He called Mike. And he says that somebody answered the phone at the house. It was his house phone. And he was calling for Mike, and he says that somebody answered, it was a guy, and it was not Mike. Chris claims that the guy said that, oh, Mike's not here right now. Um, It looks like he's in the shower. Can I have you give him a call back or something? And Chris was like, what the fuck? Like, what's going on? Like, who's this random man answering the phone? And he just assumes that it's one of Don's boys that was over, and he just answered the phone. Because she had, you know men in and out her junkie friends didn't think anything of it at the time because normal people see i have anxiety so i would be like oh there's a murderer there murdering him but normal (laughs) people would just they wouldn't that they wouldn't come to that conclusion what's going like who who are you like i'm looking for mike like who the fuck are you (laughs) what would have been amazing was that mike was in the shower because him and this mystery man were having an affair (laughs) <laughs> and he was about to join him in the shower. That would have been better. That would have been perfect. So Greg and Chris, two of his brothers, show up at the crime scene and they are little detectives. Mm-hmm. I love that. I feel like this case, without their observations, this case would take a hundred more years. <laughs> <laughs> so they talk to the police about what the phone call and everything. And then they see this guy in, uh, cause as we'd said before, there's a crowd gathering and they see this unknown face in the crowd. They recognize everyone else's neighbors, but he's just got no jacket on in February in Colorado. He's got cargo shorts and a t-shirt and he's going around asking this terrified crowd. They get a ride. <laughs> he literally asks Chris and Greg, whose brother was just murdered, yo, can I get a ride, brothers? <laughs> and they were like, who the fuck are you, homeboy? <laughs> and he said to them, I'm the girl's friend. And they're like, yeah, we're not giving you a ride. And I love how he refers to, I put this in my notes, refers to Don at the age of 33 as a girl. I'm like, yep. yeah, she's just a little baby. She's just a little girl. <laughs> she's a 33-year-old woman. Well, she does live at home, so. That's true. And they kind of recognized the voice from the phone call, but they, were, they weren't they 100%, so they, like, couldn't really yep. say anything. But they were super sus. Yeah, Chris mentions that he thinks that the that guy was the same voice that he heard on the phone. So we got ourselves a little detectives here. Oh my god, I love Greg and Chris. And then the, <laughs> the other brother, Jimmy, he like he's there, but I don't know. Greg and Chris, they are like, all right, let's get to the bottom of this. <laughs> <laughs> so next, we get a little insight into the background of uh, Mike and his stepdaughter Dawn. Since he basically raised her since she was 
only six years old. They grew up together. And we get a little backstory saying that Mike and Don were always having problems. Uh, Don would get in trouble at school. And then Mike would try to discipline her. And she was just kind of like a problem child her entire life. We see the, also the backstory that Don was always chase, chasing after men throughout her entire life. While it's also doing drugs. And she was previously just living with a guy, uh, died of a drug overdose. So that's why she moved back home to kind of like get her stuff together because her fucking ex-boyfriend. So she she doesn't have the best rapport with Mike. They assume that the the living conditions they were having, like living together again, Mike was getting upset with Don because she was showing no progress of ever leaving the residence. So there could have been some tension between them. I just love how when they asked Sandra, does he have any enemies? And they're like, no. And they asked Greg and Chris, and he's like, yeah, his stepdaughter. <laughs> I just think that's, that's just the contrast yeah. there is funny. And then we see because of this information they give us that the detectives pull in Don. And they're like, well, since you fucking discovered the body, basically. And we hear that you have some tension with Mike what's going on and she basically claims that oh no we have a great relationship there's nothing wrong there it's perfect there's no problems between us and the detectives are like um but we're hearing from everybody else that there's tension so why are you lying and then we also see the detectives asking Don if she's had any other arrests which they already fucking know you know they can just pull that shit up easily and she yeah she said yes she has she admits to being arrested prior to heroin use when she said heroin i was thinking oh maybe you know she does cocaine this and she's like no i go right to heroin i'm like damn she really <laughs> i know like did a little weed or something no she went right to heroin mm-hmm <laughs> so that's pretty intense <laughs> i just wanted to add that she was very strange in the way she said that they don't have problems she's like we don't hug or talk every day but we joke around a lot and i'm like you live together and you don't talk every day <laughs> i don't know that doesn't that just sounds weird so yeah, yeah. I, I mean even the detectives were saying her like demeanor and just the way she was speaking her tone it just fell off like i mean th- from the the first 911 call, they had a bad vibe about Don. And now she's in for questioning. They got a bad vibe about Don. So they said that, oh, she didn't give us enough information to, like, arrest her. But she's definitely going to be on our radar. Yeah, so she's kind of, like, the main person of interest. Mm-hmm. After Don's behavior, they were kind of like, maybe she's involved with the gang. They, But they definitely, not for long, did they think it was just, like, a random gang thing. Yeah. And all at this time, they're not even questioning Sandra. Sandra's doing a great job crying, being emotional. You know, the classic Indushrat widow. So the attention right now is all on Don. Next, like, what the police do in Colorado? What was the last story? Oh my god, Chris Watts. That was in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Like, the detectives in Colorado are on their shit. This is insane. I couldn't believe this. Like, they did this. Like, this is some deep-diving detective work. Way past my 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 skills. <laughs> and you've got some research skills, I'd say. Yeah, like, um, I could do a little good deep-dive on the background of somebody, but, like, this is crazy. Since the police were like, who the fuck's this mystery man? They were like, this guy's walking around in shorts. It's in, we're in Colorado. It's, like, 30 degrees out. He's in shorts. Um, who is this guy? So they call around to some of the local taxi services. Like... 
this is insane. I can't believe they got information from this. They call around to the taxi services and they try to inquire if there's any local scheduled pickups around the like development area where the crime scene was. And the taxi services were like, oh yeah, like we got a ping from somebody at, like who wanted to be picked up at this location. And it was like right down the block from the crime scene. They tracked down the like the phone call ping and they trace back the number and they trace the number to a man named Tommy. And I'm like, this is like, this is insane how they tracked down this man. Like, that's so crazy to me. It was a long shot, but they pulled it off. It yeah. Was, it was like almost like TV level, like, <laughs> in, you know, like on a detective show. So they tracked down this man named Tommy, who they tracked down his, his signal ping, which we love to talk about on all these snapped episodes. It's the ping to the cell towers. Oh, yes. <laughs> Somehow that's always the way that they find these people. Um, but they find this man named Tommy and they confirm that Tommy was the man just hanging, hanging around being creepy and asking, uh, Greg and Chris for a ride after their brother was just shot. I know this guy has no chill. (laughs) (laughs) And so they asked Sandra if she knew about Tommy, if she knew who he was and she was like, Oh, I've heard the name. Maybe he's been to the house when I wasn't there, you know? Yep. And it took them a week to find Tommy. Yeah. But he gave himself up when he got, when he tried to steal a car and was arrested in Springfield. What'd they say? It was like two hours away. And uh, yeah, it was like three, I think. And so they went, the police went to question him. He refused to talk. So they were able to get a warrant to search his car and apartment. They found the forty-five caliber handgun that was confirmed to be the murder weapon, you know, com- did their science stuff and like <laughs> compared the shells and the gun. And then it was fired from that gun and all that stuff. They pretty much had their, had their guy. Yeah. And we get on May 17th, three months after um, the murder. Um, in my notes I have here, everybody's crying pity. And it's like, Oh my God, like we can't believe Mike is gone. And that Tommy did this. Like, crazy like we never saw this coming mm-hmm. i'm like oh my god we know you guys you, we know you bitches are up to something and um, they're like we want to move and start over i'm like oh move across state lines yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we get sound bites that tommy wants to we can assume that tommy uh is basically taking the fall for all of this just you know why is tommy in the house like, we don't get the answers. Why is Tommy in the house? Why is he murdering Mike? We don't understand why Tommy would do this. And Tommy must be like, there's no way I'm taking the fall for this myself. So, officer, I'm ready to spill the beans. And this is when Tommy goes into detail of what really is going on here. And he does this days before he's about to be indicted by a grand jury. Tommy's got good timing. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Tommy is a very interesting character, I got to say. Mm-hmm. Like, if he could work for the police, I think he would be very good. If he just didn't do drugs. Oh, yeah. If he, if he wasn't addicted to meth and heroin. <laughs> then he'd be great. <laughs> he'd be great. Tommy is ready to talk. And... He admitted, he said, yeah, I'm the one who killed him, but there's more to the story. <gasps> I'm so, like, ooh, Tommy, tell me more. Yes. <laughs> now this is Tommy's expose. Yeah. Someone always has an expose and snapped. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
the big reveal. Yes. And he said it wasn't a break-in. It was a whole murder plot at the request of Sandra. <gasps> oh, my God. Dun, 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 dun. Sandy, how could you? And the police said that totally caught them off guard. She wasn't even a person of interest. They weren't yep. even considering her. And Tommy was like, oh, her whole widow thing, that's a complete act. (laughs) (laughs) He was just, like, shutting that down. He's like, oh, yeah, that was a total lie. (laughs) And he met Sandra through Don and the sister. They met at a convenience store. Apparently. How convenient. How convenient. (laughs) You meet a hitman at a convenience store. (laughs) And they bonded over, like, partying and doing drugs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so Don brought him home and Sandy said, so I want my husband dead. <laughs> so she offers him five grand and a truck. <laughs> so it's just, she's just throwing stuff in there. Yeah. And she'd also claimed that Mike was like acting sexually towards the younger sister and that like struck a chord with Tommy and Tommy was like, I'm going to be a hero. I'm mm-hmm. going to save the day. I'm going to take care of these scared women. And so they planned every detail together. Yep. She was claiming that Mike was having sexual relations with her youngest daughter. Like he's known the daughter since she was like very young, like below six because Dom was the older daughter. Mm-hmm. So she must've been like four or five. And to say that, 27 years later that he was having sexual relations with the stepdaughter i was like that is so fucked i'll just say this now but later in the episode they claim that there was never any uh proof or anything that there was sexual relations between the daughter and mike so like mm-hmm. how fucked is that sandra wanted her husband dead so badly that she claimed he was having sexual relations with her daughter i thought that was so fucked up it really is. Well, I hate when people do that because then it takes away the agency of the people that's really happening to. Yeah. Like, it's not just something to throw around to get what you want. But they basically come up with this whole plan. So Sandra's already got Tommy convinced. He's already convinced. He's he's like, oh my god, how could Mike do this? This is so crazy. I need to save my woman. My woman. Like, which one was he fucking? Was he fucking Sandra or was he fucking Don? We don't know. But he was definitely <laughs> fucking one of them because why else would he do this? Yeah. Five grand? Oh my god. You have to pay me like fucking billion dollars to kill somebody. Five thousand dollars? Like what? I couldn't I couldn't do it for a billion dollars, honestly. <laughs> and this is twenty thirteen. Five grand was really not a good amount in twenty thirteen. Maybe in fucking nineteen forty. Yeah. But fucking five grand in twenty thirteen to kill somebody? uh okay sean and a truck oh yes and the truck like okay like it's gonna get shady when sandra is like transferring the title (laughs) like you can't just give somebody a truck (laughs) i know like why does tommy have your truck sandra (laughs) it like wasn't he like involved at the scene like what's going on like clearly there's going to be some dot connecting going on okay so they're whole they're fucking stupid for one okay very stupid gearing up to get caught i mean clearly they do fucking math we already knew that they're gonna get caught but okay so basically their whole plan was to just stage the burglary and to stage it to make it seem like 
gang members showed up, spray painted on the walls, destroyed the house, shot Mike, and left. And basically that Don and Sandra were going to have the alibi being at the hospital with the younger daughter. So they can say, oh, we were never there. Look at the video cameras at the hospital. We were seen on tape there. So that couldn't be us. And we get word from Tommy that as soon as the as soon as Sandra and Don left to go to the hospital, he started painting the house and walls like an hour after they left. Like he was giving us all the details. I love Tommy. <laughs> yeah, he, he was he was given a play by play. Yes. So he said that an hour after they left, I was already painting the walls in position, ready to shoot Mike as soon as he came home. And he said immediately after he killed Mike, he picked up the shell casings. That's when the phone rang. And that's when he answered the phone, thinking that it was going to be Don or Sandra calling. Nope, it was Chris, Mike's brother. And that's when he said that his entire plan was foiled. And so he said he got nervous. He ran to a, um, a drainage ditch and mm-hmm. basically just waited for the, the cops and everybody to show up. I don't understand why he did this. Like, why did he go back to the crime scene and start asking for rides? Like, what was his plan? Like, I don't understand. Like, do you get that? Like, why did he do that? I don't get it. I know. I feel like he gave himself away. I think he was just so freaked out. And Mm -hmm. also drugs addled his brain. (laughs) Yep. And I think he was just, like, not very smart. (laughs) Yep. And... The gun that he used, he took from Mike's gun cabinet. I mean, like, being shot by your own gun. Okay, so yeah, he comes back to the crime scene, and he asks for a ride. No one gives him the ride, and then he confirms. So at this point, the cops are all like, oh my god, like, everything he's saying is accurate. He called the cab company. He got a taxi cab ride home. Um, So the cops are like, oh my god, like, everything's adding up here. He's making sense. Like, we believe you, Tommy. Like, (laughs) we believe everything you're saying. So Tommy's, I think Tommy's just trying to get in the good graces of the cops at this point. He's Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, he admits that he killed Mike, but he wants to help the police catch uh, Don and Sandra as well. So this is when we see Tommy calling Sandra to get some answers. The phone call is wiretapped. And this reminds me of a good wiretap over here at Crime on Tap. <laughs> yeah, we love a good wiretap. And it reminds me of Mark Singer. Who's that? <laughs> From Operation Varsity Blues, right? And his name was Rick. Oh. <laughs> Rick Singer. Yes. And how they're both very skilled at this to get get the information they want like tommy and it was so they were showing the clip of him on the phone and his look and his mannerisms look so much like my ex's older brother i was like triggered (laughs) that's so terrible (laughs) it was hard to get through everyone (laughs) bad for me tommy is on the line they don't know that he's arrested and in jail they're on speaker there's a cop right there taking notes and everything and Don answers the phone, mm-hmm. and Don is like, oh, what's up? Okay, like, I have to interject here. Yes. Like, you know this man's calling. Like, you know it's Tommy. Tommy. Oh, hi, Tommy. But he's calling. Like, caller ID is a thing. It's 2013. 
Like, why are you calling from this random number? You know? Mm. Like, if I picked up a random number and you were just on the phone and we just hired you to kill somebody, I'd be like, um, you're being sus. Like, I'm not going to talk to you right now. You know? I was thinking maybe they star six nine, right? Oh, what's that mean? Star sixty nine? What? Star six nine? I think. <laughs> Isn't that what you used to do when you do prank calls and you'd hide your phone number? Oh my god, I didn't know that. Star six nine? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. It sounds like that was in a song or something. Back in middle school, <laughs> you never called your crush. Star six nine. I didn't have a phone in middle school. Oh. <laughs> we'll use the house phone. Oh. I shouldn't risk that. Are you kidding me? Okay, fair point. Fair who was I going to... Megan, who was I going to call? Or, or you could just call anybody <laughs> and prank call. Be like, your refrigerator's running. So Don is like sounding a little suspicious. And Tommy's like, let me talk to your mom because y'all owe me big time. Mm-hmm. So... And she's like, oh, yes. Okay, let me go get her. Mm-hmm. I feel like Don's just like, get me off the phone with this guy. <laughs> so she puts Sandra on the line. And Tommy very slyly convinces her to talk. And... He's like, I killed your husband for you, did I not? And she's like, yeah. He's like, you owe me, you owe me something, don't you? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> and she's incriminating herself. I love it. I know it was so easy, and so that's what I'm saying. Tommy is so good at his job. Mm-hmm. Like he, he was really. I'm like, I, did he go to acting class? Like he was so good. Yeah, even detectives were like, Tommy did a great job for us <laughs> yes i i would have talked to tommy yes <laughs> and well i think also at the, like sandra was like ah oh, shit like i owe him money like he literally killed this man i owe him money i better just like be nice and say what he wants me to say you know i think mm-hmm. she just got all caught up in it well and also you if you know this man's capable of killing somebody and you piss him off exactly that was kind of my thought, too. Tommy is like, all right, so where's my money? She said, well, I don't have the money. I can give you $500. And then at that, did you see the clip where the police and Tommy were like, they're, they're doing their finger like wagging and like, oh, we got her. Because mm-hmm. anytime like she just, she offered money, she's done, basically. And at this moment, I feel like Tommy knew he made the right, like he literally like pumped his fist in the air. Yeah. <laughs> Like, he just, like, scored a touchdown or something. (laughs) Because he's probably thinking, I did all this and all she was going to give me was 500 fucking bucks? (laughs) Like, I'm glad that that I turned on her. Yeah. So, that's enough to get her. So, they agreed to meet at Walmart to do the exchange. Mm -hmm. Like, 31 minutes in, she shows up at Walmart for the exchange and they arrest her. (laughs) And I just have to say... They just flash on the screen without any warning. This terrifying mugshot of her with this big ass cold sore. Her hair is in disarray. It is haunting. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm never gonna forget it. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really notice it until you said something about it, and I was like, oh yeah, I guess it was kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, she looked like a freaking mess. I mean, she was going to pay the man who killed her husband at a walmart parking lot so i mean i don't know what i expected her to look like in that moment yeah so not only do they arrest sandra but then they also arrest don both sandra and don are now under arrest including tommy (laughs) and there's a clip of the neighbor saying it was surprising but it was a relief that it wasn't some random murder because that means their little retirement community is safe 
And I'm like, huh, that seems kind of selfish. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so next we basically get into the trial. Um, now, Tommy, Sandra, and Don are all on the stand. Tommy got in with good graces with the police, so <laughs> he's working with the police to incriminate uh, Sandra and Don even more. We basically get from Tommy in the prosecution that Sandra's motive... She very clearly had a gambling addiction, and she was cleaned out. I love this part. The narrator says, her trips to Cripple Creek crippled the family's finances. <laughs> I loved that. Poor Cripple Creek. Their name has been tainted forever. I know. Well, I think it was already bad. <laughs> and so she couldn't. they couldn't pay the bills. The house was in foreclosure. And so the summer of 2013, Mike went to Sandra and was like, I want a divorce. Like, mm -hmm. I'm sick of taking care of you and you taking advantage of me. I'm sick of the your kids being shitheads. <laughs> and Sandy and Don panicked because they don't work. They don't want to work. They couldn't survive without Mike. Yep. But he was worth a lot more money dead than he was alive. <laughs> Yep. He had a life insurance, which was $150,000, yep. which we said wouldn't last very long with an addiction, <laughs> <laughs> with two addictions, yep. gambling and drugs. And so that was enough to at least pay the bills and get the house out of foreclosure. Mm -hmm. And there was also an accidental death clause in his with his work and some money with his retirement as well. So they would get even more on top of that yeah it was easy for dawn to agree to this because she was addicted and she needed money for her addiction so she's like yeah mom let's do it <laughs> <laughs> let's go for it the prosecution had to what they said make a deal with the devil they wanted to get sandy so they had to work with tommy it was either don't work with tommy and nail him and dawn and sandy possibly walk or work with tommy and get all three of them so he got on the stand and he was very nonchalant about killing Mike. He had a smirk on his face. He was arrogant. And the prosecution was really worried that it was going to hurt the case because he was just not likable. <laughs> yeah. And they, so they were really counting on the tapes that they had of the phone conversations. People couldn't stand Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause he wasn't doing the best job. <laughs> no he was not being likable <laughs> so basically next we get into the defense and the defense is basically only sandra because we get that sandra pleads not guilty and saying that she had nothing to do with this she didn't do anything she had nothing she had nothing she had no involvement in the murder of mike is basically what she claimed so we see the defense of sandra where she claims that tommy was making up things nothing he said was true she claims that the voice recording of the she claims that the phone calls that she had with Tommy that were all recorded by police were because of Don pressuring her to say these things um, to make Tommy happy. Basically, the entire defense and Sandra are claiming that it was Don and Tommy that had all the involvement in Mike's murder. So basically, Don's own mom turned on her. <laughs> Tommy turned on her. Don's just getting shit on here. <laughs> I'm like, what a terrible mother. Like, you're supposed to protect your kids. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, fuck Don. <laughs> like, she's a terrible person. <laughs> yeah. And basically, they just claim that Don 
had this insane problem with drugs and that uh, Dawn saw her stepdad as somebody in the way, a way that she could make more money to buy more drugs and that she was ruthless. She would do anything to get her next fix. And that she was very manipulative and she manipulated Sandra. Yeah. So next um, we see the jury goes into collaboration and they say that they collaborate for two days. Like two days, bitch. I could solve this case in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Why is it taking so long? So then that's when we hear the two brothers or that's when we hear the brothers get nervous because they say that once the jury starts deliberating for multiple days, then it's not in good favor of the prosecution. We find that Sandra was found guilty of first degree murder, um, which in the state of Colorado is life without parole. So mm -hmm. she's going to die and rot in prison for the murder of her husband, which she didn't even do. She fucking paid somebody to do it. And she was found guilty of first degree murder. And so after Sandra's conviction, Don and Tommy are like, uh, <laughs> shit, like we don't want to go through that. We don't want to go through what, Sandra just went through so hi jury we're gonna plead guilty to second degree murder <laughs> mm -hmm. because they're able to do that because Sandra was already found a first degree murder correct so right. they claimed second degree murder and they pled guilty Don was sentenced to 45 years and then Tommy was sentenced to 40 years which is insane that Tommy was the one to kill Mike he performed the act he got 40 years and Don got 45 for being a meth head. I know. I found that so interesting. I, I, he's the one that actually did it. I, I guess I don't know what the reasoning behind that is. Maybe I don't understand the law. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's why Tommy did everything he did, right? Was he, he worked with police. He helped the prosecution. So the prosecution uh, came at him less with the lesser sentence, right? Yeah, because I guess he, cause he cut a deal, I guess. Yeah. Yep. That That's sense. from what I'm learning doing all these episodes is that, like, you can cut a deal with the prosecution to work with them and they'll give you a lesser sentence. I never really mm -hmm. knew that prior to doing this, you know? Hey, remember that if, if we ever get in trouble. <laughs> I know. I'd be like, here's the tea, sis. <laughs> yeah. Here's my expose. <laughs> so, Megan, what are your final thoughts on this episode of Snapped? I guess that's. Sandra is a terrible person, a terrible wife, a terrible mother. Addiction really changes people, mm -hmm. you know? Like, if Sandy and Don didn't have their addictions, would they have turned to murder to get his money to feed them? I don't yeah. know. It is so sad to see that drugs were the primary factor in this case. Because without the drugs, Sandra wouldn't be wanting her husband dead without his life insurance money to buy more drugs. Oh, well, she was addicted to gambling. It was Don that was addicted to drugs. Oh, true, true. That's it, guys! Thank Woo! you so much for another great episode of Crime on Tapped in our Snap series. Um, we love doing these. They are quick and easy. They're always good content for us. Yes, they're, they are always got twists and turns, which are <laughs> the best. Like we were saying in the beginning, like the motive always seems to be the same. It's that damn life insurance policy. So, so the story is don't get a life insurance policy. <laughs> so, but yes, we thank you guys so much for joining in for another episode of Crime on Tap. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Crime on Tap Pod to be updated on all the latest. Um, and don't forget to leave a like and review. That really does help us and get the podcast out to more listeners. 
We'll see you guys next time. Where, where crime, crime is, is always, always on tap. tap. <laughs> <laughs>